This is episode 71 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today we will continue my travel journal entries from my trip to China. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Christian travelers, if you tuned in last week, you heard a little bit about the first five days of my trip to China and that it was a bit of a cultural experience with uh, some 4-Hers that I won this trip. It wasn't a religious trip per se, um, but I'm going to finish out the rest of my trip and talk a little bit about how I saw God in my travels. So I would encourage you to listen to the previous episode before diving into this. And again, please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. Visit us at christiantravelers.net for Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, to subscribe to our email list where you will get information about our latest travel devotions, podcast episodes, and faith and travel resources. So without further ado, day six of my trip to China. This morning, two Chinese students joined our trip, Victory and Brett. I quickly became close friends with, with Victory. She is 17 years old and wants to go to Yale. She's very worried about her SAT and needs to take a month-long class to prepare for it. She, dil- she dislikes the Chinese education system, but loves the U.S. education. She likes how college is more difficult than the 12 years of school leading up to it in the U.S., unlike hers, where it's a relief to get to college. It's true, being uh, the only child in China, um, because they have a one-child policy, at least while I was there, I would have to double-check what they're currently doing uh, with that, but because they have a one-child policy, um, it is up to you to carry on the family name, and that puts a lot of pressure on you to excel and do well in school. However, they put such an emphasis on this that... The result is to get into college, um, you have to go through lots of testing. Starting around the time that you are in sixth grade, they begin to do tests. And if you don't do well academically on these tests, uh, that determines when you kind of stop going to school. So if you would stop going to school in sixth grade because you didn't do well, um, then you might end up being a janitor or someone who sweeps the streets. And then as you kind of move up, you kind of solidify where you are academically, etc. And as you get older, the jobs aren't as bad. Um, but if you make it to college, obviously you have more choice in what you get to do. But there's so many kids trying to get into colleges and limited number of college spots that um, there's kind of this elimination process. And obviously... Um, your SAT scores, and that matter all the more. Anyway, so our first stop today was a boarding school. Their normal school day is crazy. School starts at 7 a.m., and they have five classes. Then from 12 to, or 12.30 to 2.30, they have lunch and new nap. Then until 5 or 5.30, they have classes followed by supper and shower. 6.30 or so is a study hall until 10, 10 at night when they go to bed. They are, there are eight people living in each of their dorms. 
We met some of the students that were still in the school during the summer break because they are the best of the best and the teachers want them to continue to study. So they'd, they spend all of their time pretty much taking in things. Uh, one of the things I heard is that they don't question their teachers. They're very much like, we need the, to learn this information, these facts, and be able to regurgitate it, um, which is another one of the things that they like about the American school system is that we're encouraged to kind of think for ourselves. Um, but anyway, they sang two songs in Chinese for us. Then we sang Star Spangled Banner and Fishing in the Dark for them. We even played a game where we passed a tube of pens around while they drum rolled with some scrolls. When the music stopped, then whoever had the pens had to sing, dance, or do some other performance. Of course, it landed on me. Well, it didn't really. Um, I was passing the cup around, and it kind of, like, spilled as I passed it to the next person. And they were busy talking to whoever was next to them, so they were distracted. And so when the music stopped, I was picking up the pens and, like, nudging them that it was their turn to take it. So... I got up and I sang the ABCs in front of these really well-studied students for high school, you know, and I forgot, I was trying to think, like, next time won't you sing with me? I was trying to think of that. In the process, I mixed up the letters in the ABC in front of them and was just kind of laughing and really uncomfortable, but, you know, we survived. Um, We then left for lunch. The table fit all 18 of us from America and the 10 Chinese hosts. So it fit 28 people. The food was a little spicier, but that's what Shangsha is famous for. My favorite dish was the pumpkin and taro balls. Victory explained some of the Chinese eating habits. I found it interesting that their dessert is either bread or watermelon and that cake or sweets are a true rarity, and they aren't very big fans of them. In America, we eat sugar all the time. We then drove to the Longping high-tech factory. They showed us the labs where they were working and the machines they used to package the rice. In one room, women sat hand-weighing and packaging rice. They slid it through a tiny machine to seal the top. Our next stop was the peasant's rice farm. They are experimental farms. Crops are harvested twice a year there. Victory said the area is where she grew up since her parents work for Longping High Tech. We then went to Mr. Ping's conference room and met him personally. He didn't have much to say, but we all got to take a picture with him. Victory was super excited to get her picture taken with him as he is such a significant man in China. He found a way for rice to produce more and has helped reduce starvation in China as a result. When Victory left, we exchanged gifts. She gave me postcards from her school, and I gave her magnets and a keychain from Iowa. Our next stop was the world's largest restaurant. It is in the Guinness Book of World Records because it can seat 23,000 people. The restaurant is made of many buildings and streets, so it has a map outside of the main entrance. The area we ate at was about the size of a breakfast and lounge at a hotel. Huge. The food was the food was very spicy, especially the vegetables. The soup was made of duck, nuts, and berries. Of course, our drink was orange juice. 
We had an interesting discussion on which college and job was in our future. Agriculture was praised as we couldn't survive without it. However, a future doctor said we would die of disease without them. I pointed out that you need someone to teach you so you can do these things professionally. We finally agreed that life is based on harmony and balance in all aspects. Day 7, Xi'an. We flew to Xi'an, where our first stop was where the terracotta soldiers are made. They walked us through through the process. The life-size statues take about three months to air dry, and tiny ones take about a month. Afterwards, we went to the terracotta, we went to the terracotta soldiers' museum and saw the real deal. The history of the soldiers was explained on a 360-degree screen, and we met the man who discovered the clay soldiers. He was signing books others had written about his discovery because he doesn't know how to read or write. The four pits were different groups of soldiers. Pit 1 had 68,000 soldiers. Pit 2 was still being excavated. High-ranking officials or guards were located in Pit 3, and Pit 4 was more of a display with golden chariots and horses. I think if I remember correctly that some of this has, like, these soldiers are guarding a tomb, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong, and uh, that people have, like, always, oftentimes people trying to break into tombs because they want to steal gold and things from that. Um, and really, all of these soldiers and their armies are there to protect, I mean, they're clay statues based off of real people, and so they're there to protect the emperor that had died, and so uh, a lot of these clay statues had been broken, terracotta statues had been broken, um, and so they were mending and fixing a lot of them, because someone had tried to break in and steal from the emperor. After that, we walked around the Xi'an Wall, which was a wall on the inner city, and if you're on the top uh, of it, you can kind of overlook the city, and the whole, if we'd walk the whole entire wall, it would be about seven miles. Inside of the wall is the Chinese Muslim market. The people in the stands had gentle voices. You could pick up items and not get yelled at or forced to purchase it immediately. The people here were very honest. They told you when they were losing money, and I actually managed to lower the price of several items I bought. I was actually proud of my bargaining skills, especially when I managed to purchase an item for less money than uh, a local Asian individual. At the market, I took a picture of a baby in her mother's arms. Then the mother folded the baby's hands and lowered them repeatedly, like she was bowing. It is a custom for Chinese to bow to their elders or respectable people. At supper, this happened again. I was waiting in line behind an, an elderly Chinese man. He looked at me for a minute, folded his hands, bowed, and then walked away. On our drive back to the hotel, another baby bowed to me too. The parents saw me in the window. Um, I thought all of those experiences were very different it w and weird that I was being respected. Um, especially because I was, like, a high school individual. I get that I was maybe old, I was obviously older than the babies, but the elderly individual, um, and then the younger individuals, I was kind of, like, is it just because I'm American that I, I'm being recognized? And that was kind of bizarre. Anyway, on day eight, 
Our flight to Shanghai was delayed this morning due to the forecast. Tsunami on the way. They gave me the chance. This gave me the chance to email home. Our group had to decide whether we would wait out the storm and take a late flight or we'd attempt a 12-hour train ride. We chose the plane. Well, I actually was kind of wanting the train ride because I've never done trains, but um, we'd get to enjoy more of the next of Shanghai if we flew. So we chose the plane, and to board the plane, we were driven out into the plane parking lot or the tarmac, and we boarded a plane via stairs. That's the first time I've seen that and done it in person. I thought that was an outdated activity, so I found it super cool. Since then, I've done that multiple times and realized that's not as bizarre, but um, it was definitely, I was like, whoa. <laughs> After boarding the plane, we sat there for almost a full two hours before it took flight. When we landed in Shanghai, we actually saw blue sky and sun. The houses we passed actually looked similar to ones from home, except they were extremely close together. That's considered to be countryside here in China. The small farms that are left are government-owned. How many acres you get is determined by the size of your family, and it isn't much. Four or five acres at the most. As we approached the city, our tour guide informed us that housing in this city costs about $1 million to own. We concluded our brief day with an acrobatic show where they performed some amazing tricks. Day 9. The Bund is an older part of town, but the houses were recently redone to look the same as the original ones. The only surviving original houses was the tea house, but I couldn't tell the difference between the new and the old. We crossed a zigzag bridge for longevity and good grades, sat on the beauty seats for women, touched a rock for youth and beauty, and stepped on a picture made of stone for wealth and a rock for good fortune. We went to a government-owned farm. They gave us a tour of the displays. Plants grew from the ceiling and in places without soil. I discovered an eggplant that actually looked like an egg, which I found very impressive. It started raining as we walked from one building to another, so we all were dancing in the rain. The tour guide asked if we didn't have rain where we came from because we were all having so much fun getting soaked. Supper was a short walk away, and it was very sad to think it was our last. Our table begged Brenda to tell us all what she had learned about us. When she got to me, she complimented my communication skills. I was really good at talking to the other Chinese students, she said. To finish off the journey, we went shopping. There were so many people. We watched the police walk by and a lot of vendors scattered. They were selling illegal stuff, we figured. To conclude our trip, we stayed up extremely late, reminiscing about our journey. Day 10. We flew out in the morning. It was a sad departure from China and its beautiful culture. When we got home, the same day but earlier due to time change, we were warmly welcomed by our families. I believe we all talked their ears off the whole way home. And then my 12 favorite memories of China was the tea ceremony, the kung fu show, struggling to bargain with vendors, the forbidden city, Chinese Muslim market, the farmer's market, the Bund, the students in the schools, my friends Kelsey and Nick, the Great Wall of China, and the Terracotta Soldiers.
Um, and if I had to say, what was kind of an interesting thing is that culturally they use a lot of items as, like, uh, how I mentioned in the bun. We stepped on things, we touched things, all for good luck and good measure, which there's no such thing as good luck. I believe that God really, he, he gives us blessings and it only comes from him. And uh, Chinese are Buddhists, not all of them, but many of them are. And that doesn't align with the beliefs of Christianity, that our only way to heaven is through Christ. And so as a young high school student, I can't say that I was the best witness. And it's been so long that I don't really know all of the things that happened during that trip. But looking back on it, I would say that those things, the the red and the gold of the emperor's forbidden city and how that means wealth and power and how no one else can use those colors on their homes and the that people are rep- men are represented by dragons with pearls in their mouth for power and women are represented by phoenixes, those things are kind of ways that I could have started the conversation about, oh, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Why do you believe that? And also use that as a way in to kind of talk about, well, I believe that, you know, we're all created equal, we're all loved by God, and that um, we can't get these blessings any other way but through him. And uh, we won't all receive the same things, we won't all receive wealth, we won't all receive uh, great grades, but God will still take care of us no matter what. Um And, of course, there were lots of opportunities, especially when you're in close quarters and you're traveling with the same group for, you know, 10 days as we were, uh, not only to just get to know each other on a deeper level, but as we experience things um, and have awkward and amazing moments as we learn to bargain, as we explore the Great Wall of China, uh, how we handle those things and the respect we show to the other cultures and the respect we show to other people Um, it sets an example. So I hope that you have enjoyed this and it's given you some food for thought for your next travel experiences. And if you ever explore China, please let me know what some of your highlights were. And if you had any chance to witness about Christ and give your travel testimony, I would love to hear about that too. You can share that information with me on my website at christiantravelers.net. But until next time, safe travels and God bless.